Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. With all due respect, I reject your theory completely. But you know what? There needs to be some backlash to this. This would be disastrous. There really has to be a better way. And I think the biggest question here is, what the hell is going on? The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 414-799-1620. Move for president. Get in the race. Will he run? And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Eric Bilstadt, let me make this painless for you. Jeff? You were right all week about concerns with the field. There's no way they should have played Aaron Rodgers. You saw this coming a week ago. Now, now hold on, hold Jeff. On. You were, you were the, right. The coach all was going week. to play him, though. Jeff, so you were I right. Was kind of right. Jeff, you were right all week when expressing concerns about the field. There was no way they should have played uh, Aaron <laughs> Rodgers. It, it just, just, just admit it. It'll be painless. All right, I'm giving you the, this chance, and then uh, we just forget about it. Otherwise, it's good. This is going to go on. I mean, just admit they shouldn't have played him because of the field. Well, they didn't play him, and it was okay. Fine, you win. All right, you win. I just—it's not a question of winning or losing. It's a question. Now, Gru, I—I've been right. Haven't I been saying all week? I understand why they would—you know—we want to get him in the third game, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, my concern was this was going to be like a little league field, and you didn't want to take the risk <laughs> of the guy getting hurt. And then you go out and you look at the field, and my God, it's got potholes that are worse <laughs> than the ones that you find on—you know—on on Wisconsin Avenue. And they've got—you know—this this, the the pothole is in the end zone is kind of like papered over with this thing and it's sinking in and stuff i mean who could put up that That was my concern all along now i admit it was even worse once you saw it than than you thought but that was my concern you were the first person i thought of (laughs) when i heard that they were having trouble with the field and then when they said they had issues with the field and then when they changed the field all right good enough see i just i just i want that kind of validation but by the way this is where we're starting all right so I, I, I do, and I. if you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner 620 I've got a, a couple different things we talk about in the noon hour. But we do start with this, this absolute fiasco involving the Packers game yesterday. Now, first of all, what bozo thought it was a good idea to play one of these preseason games in Canada? I understand they're trying to expand, et cetera, their appeal. And I understand that Oakland is a hot mess. This is the Oakland is a lame duck. They're, they're moving the Raiders to Las Vegas next year. So you're playing and you've got all these, you know, to, to play a game in Oakland. Well, who knows what the fan reaction is going to be. So I and plus you've got the Packers that might be a draw. I get all that. The stadium, such as it is seats 33,500 people for a Canadian football game. The announced attendance last night at the game was 21,992 people. So the announced attendance, it was only two-thirds full. Let me just say this at the outset. The only way there were 22,000 people at that game last night were if about 8,000 of them came dressed as empty seats. I mean, that that's just... There, there weren't 22,000 actual people there. Now, the part of the problem was they were selling tickets for outrageous prices. The ticket prices were 75 bucks to $340. How would you have liked to have dropped $340 
even though it's Canadian funny money. How would you have liked to have dropped three hundred forty bucks for that game last night? I mean, seriously. I mean, you you know the the cheap seats, and one of the only reasons that they got that many tickets sold is apparently a week before the game they dramatically dropped the price on certain seats. So, I mean, from an attendance perspective, it was it was a bust. All right, but that's that that that's okay. There were a lot of Packers fans in the stands. I get that. It was a bust from that perspective. But but that's not where I want to start the conversation. This is the National Football League. It is well, maybe the English Premier League is bigger internationally for for soccer and stuff. But okay, th- this is a multi b as in billion dollar industry, a multi billion dollar industry. So you have certain elements of quality control that were out there. As I think everybody who watched the Packers game last night knows, the the field, they they get to the field, and in Canadian, and and aside from just the turf field, et cetera, which is different than we play on in the United States, in Canadian football, the goalposts are in the middle of the end zone like they used to be years and years and years ago when it when when the NFL played used to be that when you kicked a field goal the goalposts were on when the end line now they're 10 yards back okay so but canadian football they're in the middle of the end zone so what happens is they had to pull up the goalposts okay so that left a hole where the goalposts were and they tried to fill in the hole by like patching it with you know some turf but you you could just see there was this huge like cutout thing there and there were edges and it was uneven it was just a complete and total mess so i don't know what the raiders felt about it but the packers coach wisely in my opinion takes a look at this and you're trying to imagine all you need is one of these these athletes who you know is running a post pattern or whatever and they get on this uneven thing and they hit in the seam and they fall and they twist their ankle or they you know blow out their knee or whatever and they're gone for the whole season and i or, or maybe a career and i understand that can happen football's a violent game people can you know have injuries and hits and it can happen just in a blink, blink of an eye but that's under the best case not in a situation where you're playing on a field that gosh you might not even expect junior college players to play on our number is 414-799-1620. That is the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Here's what I think the outrage of, of this is. This multi-billion dollar industry, the, the, the NFL, they supposedly sent people to Canada. They had multiple people in Canada inspecting this field. Should it not have occurred to somebody somewhere that, hey, there's some real problems here, including what's going to happen when we yank out these goalposts and move them. I mean, I guess the, the, the bottom line to me is, okay, it was kind of a joke of a game yesterday where they play on an 80-yard field and stuff like that. that that's what they – to me, that that's kind of like when you go over to that – that municipal, you know, ball field where they haven't cut the grass and stuff and there's all sorts of bad stuff. So you say, okay, we're not going to let people hit the right field because there's too many rocks or whatever. I mean, I understand that happening. Well, you know, with a bunch of, you know, 16 year olds that are going over for a pickup softball game. But how could that have happened in the NFL? And, and who was the bozo with the NFL that allowed this thing to go on and who thought this was a good idea without 
getting this stuff all worked out in advance. I mean, it's not like it should have been a surprise. Gee, maybe we should pull these goalposts and see how we're going to deal with this. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I guess that that's the, the biggest outrage, that it's a preseason game, but they charged a whole bunch of money to however many people actually showed up to, to go see this. And you have this joke of a game on an 80-yard field. This is something that one way or another should have been worked out well in advance. Either they should have figured out what was the solution to this, what are we going to do, how are we going to avoid these giant potholes, or alternatively, if you couldn't come up with a good reason to, to avoid this, then you just should have said, maybe this idea of playing at this particular stadium is a bad idea instead of leaving it to the teams to maybe risk injury. 414-799-1620. Let's start with Dave and Appleton. Dave, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. I am extremely disappointed in our coach. He should have walked off that field, period. They should have never played the game. You sit there and say, well, I'm not going to risk my premium players. What's that do to the guys that did have to go out and play on it? Well, you don't care about my knees? You don't care about my back? Well, right. right. You raise an interesting point that if if you're the second team guy and you're told, okay, we're not playing the 33 best players because we don't want them to get hurt, hey, you cannon fodder, go run a pass pattern into the end zone. You do have a good point there. (laughs) Well, I mean, I mean, he just recovered from an injury from last year. Now his knee's all blown out. I mean, I would, if I was, and you're a recovering lawyer, <laughs> riddle me this. You want to sue the NFL? They should have never played that game. His well, career is shortened or maybe ended because of that. Yeah, I just, you know, decision. I just don't, I, I mean, I don't understand, going back to the larger point, Dave, and I, I don't disagree, but I, my, my, the larger point is how could the NFL that supposedly sent people who supposedly know what they're doing out to check this thing out in advance, how could they have signed off on this? Why, you know, I mean, and again, I, I'm not on that field, but I'm looking at the TV coverage, and I'm thinking, my God, there's this huge seam. It, it looks like this giant pothole that they just tried to fill with something, and it didn't do a very good job. Well, and as soon I was sitting at home with my wife, and as soon as the game came on, I went, oh, my God, Jeff was right. <laughs> <laughs> see, thank you for saying talking that, Dave. Yeah, right. See, Eric Bilstadt. you've been talking about right. I had to beat up Eric Bilstadt to say that, but thank you, Dave. Oh, my God, Jeff was right. Thanks, sir. You might hear that in a promo again, 414-799-1620. That was my concern all along. It's like, okay, but I had no idea that the field was going to be as bad as it was. Um, you know, somebody correctly points out, too, you would think that the NFL would check all this out after the debacle in Canton a couple years ago and in Mexico City. Yeah, that, that Hall of Fame game, um, I was I was actually I was in Canton. That was the year Brett Favre was going into the NFL Hall of Fame. And remember, that was the year they, they the Hall of Fame ceremonies were on a Saturday, then the, the game was supposed to be on a Sunday. We didn't we weren't staying for the game, but remember they ended up canceling it because the, the field they, they did something with painting the field and then it got too slippery and it wasn't safe. I mean look look I, I get it it's a preseason game. But at the same time, it's a billion, you know, it's a multi-billion dollar industry. Whoever was responsible for checking out the field in advance and making sure that it was safe to play, that person should not have a job today because that person is not competent. That That's just the, the bottom line. And if anybody did suffer career-ending or sustain you know, injuries as a result of the turf, as opposed to just the, the contact, uh, you know, 
I, I mean, I don't know if you can sue or not, but it really, for a league that says, you know, we care about players' health and stuff, I mean, clearly they put the almighty buck, you know, gee, we want to have a presence in Canada, and we want to expand, and we want to give people in Winnipeg a chance to see the NFL product, even though, you know, like I say, they stayed away in droves. Even if you wanted to do that, you, you did not do anybody a service. And I would take that position. I mean, I don't care that the Packers lost on a last-second field goal. It's, it's exhibition. You know, who, who cares? My guess is when the Packers play the Raiders in the regular season on a real football field, you know, they're going to have no trouble handling them. That's just kind of what my, my guess is. But yesterday was just a joke. An absolute joke for the TV station that paid rights fees to cover it, the radio station, us, that paid rights fees to cover it, and the fans of the NFL. It was a joke. This is Jeff Wagner. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. I really wonder what went on here. Uh, I'm looking at this story in the Chicago Tribune today about this, which is, if you want to kind of really get the insight, and they're talking to the mayor of Rosemont, and, and he says, hey, I'm thrilled about this. He said, you know, we had no idea. We had not been alerted that, that we would have any delegations from the DNC staying here because, you know, we're we're an hour and a half away. You know, we, we didn't think we were going to get any. And he said just a couple days ago, you know, we found out that, hey, you know, as part of the planning, you know, we expect that uh, the, the DNC is going to they're going to need 4000 hotel rooms um, for for just delegates alone including delegates from big states. The guy in Rosemont was like, I, I, first of all, he's like, hey, I, th- this is like great because, you know, now they're going to be here. They're going to be spending all this money down in Rosemont. We didn't think it was going to be there. We thought they were going to be spending all the money up in Milwaukee. Not going to happen. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Tom in New Berlin. Tom, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff, how are you? Real well, thank you. I'm kind of surprised by all this. I guess this, I did not understand that you were going to have half of the delegates staying out of state. Surprised and, and maybe not surprised. The question I have is, and maybe you can help with the numbers, but you know, when the announcement was made, there was also talk about payments that were going to have to be made to the DNC and where that money was going to come from. And I'm sure investments on the part of entrepreneurs in the city with restaurants and other things you know, was this known to anybody while all of this, all of these expenditures, or at least with what was going to go to the DNC for Milwaukee to hold the convention, known? Uh, I don't know. I well, it, it wasn't. Apparently, it wasn't known to the mayor of Rosemont, who just found out a couple of days ago that they're going to be, you know, using four thousand hotel rooms. They're asking to reserve four thousand hotel rooms, three thousand of which are going to be going to delegates. They, so this this was a surprise to at least some of the communities in Illinois. I'd love to know. I'd love to have the paper do some investigating and ask our mayor if he knew about it. Well, that, that would be that would be a great question. It, 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 you know, Tom, it would be a great question. I I think, and, and you'd have to have him on a lie detector because I I don't know. I I think Tom Barrett. I think he was completely. I mean, I don't know if he just found out about this yesterday, but my guess is when he found out about it, he was completely and totally shocked because I don't think anybody knew about this. I mean, I think the expectation was it, it's going to be the the area, but I don't think any of us thought that you'd be busing delegates from Rosemont, Illinois, for goodness sakes. Never. No. Well, thank you for, Thanks for the, the call. No, taking the call. No, I appreciate it. And, and again, it's it, it's it, no no delegates in Madison which I find to be fascinating because I will tell you something. Madison is uh, about equidistant from Milwaukee um, as Rosemont is. 
But Madison, it's a lot easier. You know, and they put them all on buses. That's how you transport them. It's a lot easier to get delegates from Madison to Milwaukee and back than it's going to be to get delegates from Rosemont to Milwaukee and back. And again, one of the operative questions that people have is, hey, is that whole I-94 thing going to be done? I mean, is is it really seriously going to be finished in the course of the next, what, you know, 10 months, 11 months or so? Because can you imagine, if you think there's problems now, can you imagine what it's like if that, that nightmare on the freeway that we've been living with for the last, it seems like, a few years, can you imagine what that's going to be like for these delegates and stuff if they get tied up and stuck on the freeway because a semi flips over or whatever and they end up having to wait for hours and hours and hours? Like I say, I mean, I just... It's it to me, it is a surprise that you you have all these hotel rooms. And again, I I appreciate the economic value of it. But let's just let's just recognize the reality here. And that is that these economic projections there, you throw them completely out the window because and to take it from my perspective as somebody who was an alternate delegate, you're going out. You're going out to eat after the convention is over at night or, you know, during the day. Will there, you know, you, yes, will, will you go out to lunch and will you go and have lunch at, you know, some places in, in Milwaukee when you're here? Sure. But, you know, you're going to hang out by and large where it is that you're staying. And my guess is a lot of the events that they schedule for the different state delegations. Um, when we were in San Diego, there was a thing where they, they took the whole delegation for a party in, you know, nearby the hotel that where, you know, some wealthy donor was hosting it. My guess is those sort of events are going to be held close to where the delegations are staying. So you're going to have all this stuff. My guess is this is going to be a huge boon for places in Chicago as well, which is all well and good, except it wasn't what anybody thought was going to happen. At least it wasn't what the public thought was going to happen. And maybe this is just another idea to take a step back and say, hey, if there was anybody in the state that was considering putting you know, big money into this, base, big tax dollar tax dollars on it, based on this promise that you'd have you know, $200 million of economic impact. I, I don't know. Is it fair to say it's going to be cut in half? No, I think that's too much. But certainly, you know, you reduce it by a third. I think that's reasonable. Here's um, Eddie from Franklin Tech. Jeff, this is a total slap in the face to all the people who lobby to get the um, DNC here. Um, yeah, I think there's just no other way to cut it. And uh, again, I mean, a lot of text. Jeff, Rosemont has a great entertainment district, including a top casino. Maybe they want to stay there. Sure. It's also close to O'Hare. I mean, yeah, I, I, I understand the convenience of it. It's just, it's just the whole idea that I don't think anybody, anybody saw this coming. Well, okay, Democratic National Committee, you fooled us once. Will you fool us twice? This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. All right, Jeff. What you're saying about the Democratic National Convention isn't totally correct. Check out your references. I'm a limo driver for a local company. We have contracts with hotels in Madison, Racine, Kenosha, Sheboygan, even Green Bay to pick up delegates and bring them back and forth to Milwaukee. Well, I got news for you, my friend. 
You might have contracts to pick up delegates, but there ain't going to be any delegates in Racine, Kenosha, Sheboygan, Green Bay, or Madison. There are not going to be any delegates there because and, unless and, uh, unless they get themselves liquored up, call an Uber, and end up uh, somewhere else because they're going to be in Rosemont, or at least most of them are going to be in Rosemont. So you, you, your company might have a contract with these various hotels to pick up delegates. There are not going to be any. Now, there, there may be other assorted hangers-on, like I say, that are staying in Madison, Racine, Kenosha, Sheboygan, or Green Bay, but there's not going to be any sort of delegates. So if you were thinking that there was going to be th- this huge number of people that are going to be shuttling back and forth to the convention, at least the official delegates, it's it's not going to happen. Now, I, I admit, maybe a number of the hotels you know, didn't realize that because I don't think a lot of local officials realize that. The mayor of Rosemont, Illinois, he didn't realize that the Democratic National Convention would be taking up 4,000 of their hotel rooms until just a couple days ago. So, surprise, they fooled you. All right. The stock market today, let's see, and I, I understand that it's, it, it's you know, you, you watch what's going on on a daily basis with the stock market. It goes up, it goes down, it can drive you crazy. The stock market, the Dow Jones Industrial Average, down 513 points as we speak. The NASDAQ down 207. And the, the reason today is because of, of two things. One in response to President Trump's calls on imposing new tariffs, China has announced that they're going to respond by imposing tariffs on, on their own. And they're going to be going after um, American cars, soybeans, and, and oil. China said today it would increase existing tariffs by 5 to 10% on more than 5,000 U.S. products in stages starting in September. And interestingly enough, um, these are targeted products. They're, they're, they're going after stuff that is made um, in states that Donald Trump needs to carry to get reelected. For example, Iowa is the largest producer of soybeans. Michigan and Ohio have the biggest concentration of auto manufacturing. And those are three states that President Trump won last time and needs to win again if he's going to get reelected. So the, the Chinese strategy appears to be, all right, if President Trump wants to talk about engaging in this particular trade war, fine, Um we're going to do it. It's going to hurt the global economy. It's going to hurt us. It's going to hurt the U.S. But you know what? We can wait him out. And that appears to be the strategy right now, and the stock market is responding accordingly. President Trump, for his part, has contributed to today's plunge in the stock market. He sends out a, a tweet. Uh, this is what the tweet says. Our great American companies are hereby ordered to immediately start looking for an alternative to China, including bringing our companies home and making your products in the USA. Let me read that again. This is the president tweeting. Our great American companies are hereby ordered to immediately start looking for an alternative to China, including bringing our companies home and making your products in the USA. And and like I say, we... We import about four times, four to five times as much stuff from China as we export. 
Our great American companies are hereby ordered to immediately start looking for an alternative to China, including bringing our companies home and making your products in the USA. He then goes on to say we'd be better off without them. That would be China. The vast amounts of money made and stolen by China from the United States year after year for decades will and must stop. Greater American companies hereby order to immediately start looking for an alternative to this. Then he goes on and says he is ordering all carriers, including FedEx, Amazon, UPS, and the post office, to search for and refuse, search for and refuse Imports from China that contain the opioid fentanyl, which, um, again, as soon as he did that, you, you saw the stock of FedEx and some of these other companies that just plunged. Now, look, there are significant issues with the trade deficit with China. The biggest issues to me, issue to me in our dealings with China is the fact that they do routinely steal American intellectual property. As a, I'm oversimplifying this, but when an American company, for example, wants to sell technology to the Chinese, what the Chinese require is that essentially the, the, the American company has to explain how the thing works. And then what happens is China sees how the thing works and then they, they steal it. And they make it for less money. So th- this this whole theft of intellectual property and things like that is a legitimate issue. At the same time, I mean, I, I guess I don't believe it. Forget I guess. I do not think it is constructive for the president of the United States to be saying our great American companies are hereby ordered to immediately start looking for an alternative to China, including bringing our companies home and making your products in the USA. We are part of a global economy. And just trying to say all of a sudden, all right, we're, we're going to stop importing stuff and we're going to try to produce these things in the United States, you know, I just, I don't think it is constructive. I don't think it is helpful, and it has the potential to tank the economy. And candidly, with all the stuff that's going on with President Trump, the two big things he's got going for him is, number one is, at this point in time, we're not we're not in any new major wars. And number two, the economy has been strong for the last several years. President Trump, by monkeying around and threatening China and this increasing talk about trade wars and stuff, he risks, I believe, torpedoing the economy at the last time that you want to have this done. On top of that, you've got the president today going after the chairman of the Federal Reserve, uh, the chairman of the Federal Reserve, who he appointed, calling him an enemy. I don't see that as constructive either. Our number is 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, I don't think President Trump gets as much credit as he deserves for some of the stuff that's gone on over the last couple years. At the same time, I think this is an extremely dangerous game that he is playing. And for... You know, people who, again, have lots of money tied up in their their 401k plans and their retirement accounts, I, I think what you're seeing is this trade war playing out in a way that, at least in the short term, 
isn't to the benefit of people in this country. Because the bottom line is, when you start talking about tariffs and trade wars and things like that, it's the consumers at the end of the day that pay. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. These hard lines with places like China, all right, that, that, that has a consequence. And candidly, I don't think that consequence is going to be good for the economy or the president. 414-799-1620, we discuss in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Here's a text. Jeff, Trump's foolish decisions on this trade war keep hurting the farmers more and more every day. And, of course, with the trade war with China, China figures they can outlast, you know, President Trump. And they figure, okay, he might be gone, you know, in a year or a year and a half. And so what they're doing, there's no question about it, they are targeting um, agricultural states, Wisconsin being one of them, Iowa being another, that supported Donald Trump in the 2016 election. So they're saying, okay, you want to do this to us? We're going to respond by trying to hurt you. Now, look, I understand that the market goes up and down, and smart investors aren't aren't going to get caught up in like the, the day-to-day back and forth. The problem that I have is, first of all, Contrary to what the president said, and see, I'm a free trader, and the Republicans historically, and I'm this sort of traditional conservative, I'm, I'm a free trader. Now, do I understand that there's issues with what China does? Of course there are. But, you know, trying to say, okay, we're going to impose these huge tariffs on, tri- on China, um, and we're a net importer from China. All right, that, that, is that going to make a difference? And my answer is, at least at this point in time, it doesn't seem to be doing that. All it does is jack up the costs for consumers in the United States and make it more difficult for exporters, particularly like, you know, farmers. Let's take agriculture in Wisconsin for them to sell their products overseas, particularly to China. And and I guess my response is to to what end is this? So do I understand that the market goes up and down? Yes, I, I do. And do I understand that it's important to try to stay away from the daily political back and forth? Yeah, I, I get all that. But, I mean, here's the reality. You know, we have a lot of this volatility, not necessarily because of economic policy, but rather because you have the president who gets mad, gets a wild hair up a certain part of his anatomy, and then sends out, starts sending out tweets. At the same time, and this is my note to my, my, my conservative friends out there, all the rest of you who are kind of like traditional free traders like I am, I mean, you have the President of the United States saying our great American companies are hereby ordered to immediately start looking for an alternative to China, including bringing our companies home and making your products in the USA. Well, excuse me. Let's just take a step back here. Excuse me, as somebody who believes about separation of powers and is a free market guy, I mean, if if this was if this was Barack Obama issuing a statement ordering American companies to immediately start looking for alternatives and bringing our companies back home and making the products in the USA, if that were Barack Obama ordering, and again, I I, I don't know what force of law the order has. But if this were Barack Obama ordering companies to stop doing business with other countries, I mean, you know, we would all, including myself, we would be screaming. I mean, what what is this? Did we elect the dictator? This is this totalitarian government. But but now it, it's President Trump who's clearly upset with what's going on in China. Look, I understand there's issues with China. I, I get it. 
particularly this intellectual property thing that I was talking about a little while ago, that is a very, very valid concern. And I understand that China has been, to an extent, screwing us over, pardon my directness and my French, but screwing us over for a number of years. At the same time, I swear, I don't see what the end game to this is. And all you're doing is you're causing unnecessary panic in the stock market. And I, whenever I do this, I always get these texts from people saying, oh, it's good that the stock market drops. It's good because that means you can just buy more when the prices are lower. Well, all right, that's not how most people operate. <laughs> that's just not how most people operate. Yes, you know, if you know when the stock market's going to hit a bottom, yes, you might want to wait it out if you've got a lot of money sitting on the sideline. But that's that's not how most people invest in the stock market. They participate through their 401ks. They have money taken out every two weeks. And if you get closer and closer to retirement, the last thing you want to see is a 5 or a 10 or a 15 or a 20% drop in the value of your you know, mutual funds or whatever. And if that's happening because of a global economic recession, that's one thing. If it's happening because the president of the United States has moved us closer to a global economic recession by some of the dialogue and by picking a fight with China, well, then you got to kind of wonder what's going on. And look, this is from the coming from the perspective of somebody who doesn't want to see a kook like Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders elected president. But the best thing Donald Trump has going for him is he argues for reelection among not the hardcore Trump supporters, but the people who might be persuadable one way or the other. The best thing he's got going for him is that the economy has continued to roar for the last couple of years. You take that away six months before the election or nine months before the election or a year before the election, and you pretty much guarantee that whoever the Democrats nominate is going to be the next president. Do we really want that? This is Jeff Wagner. Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So very glad to have you with us. 69 degrees outside. Looks like it's going to be a great weekend. I have a um, email from a listener who is a regular rider of the freeway flyer system. Drew, you know, you know what a freeway freeway you don't know what the freeway flyer is. All right, the freeway flyer is a service run by. See, I'm glad I asked you that because I would have assumed that everybody knew what a freeway flyer is, and you don't. Okay, the freeway flyers are services run by the bus system. And what they do is there are parking lots throughout the suburbs. And what people can do, so if you live, say, in Brown Deer and you work in downtown Milwaukee, there is a freeway flyer parking lot that's uh, on I-43 and Brown Deer Road. So what you do is you park your car there in the morning. A bus will pick you up. It gets on the freeway and it drives to downtown Milwaukee and it drops you off. So it is a way that people who live in the near suburbs can get to downtown Milwaukee and then get home at night without having to drive their car down there. In some cases, you don't park at the at the at the park and ride is what they call it, the freeway flyer locations. Sometimes maybe it's you, you only got one car, so your spouse drops you off in the morning and then comes back and picks you up. It, it's a way to commute into the city. And it, it's been going on for years and years. And as a general rule, 
these tend to be extremely popular because it's a way now some routes are more popular than others but it, it tends to be a way that you know you you can get in and it tends to be something that at least i believe you know is is one of the things that from the perspective of the bus company is relatively profitable okay so with that background i get an email from somebody who number one rides these and number two works for a company that again, promotes this. So this is a letter that they got from the Milwaukee County Transit System. Um, in order to, this is the MCTS, in order to balance the budget and maintain a strong core system that carries 97% of our ridership, one service type that is being proposed for elimination is our freeway flyers. These routes were chosen since they carry only 1% of all riders, and my guy says he finds that almost impossible to believe, and use many buses in the fleet. A bus company transit planners reviewed how this potential change would impact your employees who ride the bus to and from work. We learned that about one-third of the commuter value pass program participants from your company use freeway flyers. So this service reduction would have a significant impact on the daily commute of your employees. We are requesting your assistance in sharing this information with the riders and the company's stakeholders, etc., etc. Please consider communicating with the people from your company who ride this because it is possible the following freeway flyer routes may be eliminated as early as January of 2020. 40 College Avenue, the 43 Hales Corners, and my guy says this is packed every time I've ridden it, 44 State Fair Park, so you go out to State Fair Park, you pick up the freeway flyer, you go in. The uh, emailer says, always at least half full in my experience. 46 Loomis Holt, the 48 South Shore route, and the 49 Brown Deer Bay Shore route. And that's the one I was talking about because years and years and years ago, when I was living in the suburbs, but I was going to law school and I was working, you know, sometimes what I do is I, I would take the freeway flyer down and back because I didn't want to pay for parking. All right. Then, of course, you have the comment by the uh, president of the bus system, a guy named Dan Bame, and the managing director. He says, if you look at us as being stewards of services for low-income minority populations that have endured 400 years of racism, it's hard for us to say we're going to take two miles off a bus route off of this road in the county so that we can preserve park ride service for, and I'm overgeneralizing, a suburbanite who can afford their own car. Hmm. Hmm. Huh. This is the guy who's the president of the Milwaukee County Transit System and the managing director. If you look at us as being stewards of services for low-income minority populations that have endured 400 years of racism, it's hard for us to say we're going to take two miles. Why do people always have to play the race card? I mean, seriously. All right. It's hard for us to say we're going to take two miles off a bus route off of this road in the county so that we can preserve we can preserve park and ride service for and I'm overgeneralizing a suburbanite who can afford their own car. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. First of all, my guess is those suburbanites who are riding the freeway flyer are paying more than their overall share to the Milwaukee County Transit System to keep those routes going. 
My guess is those freeway flyer routes, maybe not all of them, but most of them are a heck of a lot more profitable than a number of the bus routes that they're considering keeping going that essentially have few, little, or no riders on them. But I want to open up the discussion. Our number is 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. It It is true, I guess, on one level, because the, the way a lot of these freeway flyers work is you have people that drive to the park and rides. They get out of the car. They hop on the bus, and then they get driven downtown to their place of work, and then they get driven home at night. So I guess it's true that many of them are suburbanites who can afford their own car. Right. Is that a justification for discontinuing the freeway flyer service, which, again, my guess is many of these routes are some of the more successful profit generating routes for the bus line? 414-799-1620. Should we discontinue the freeway flyer routes because you suburbanites have a bunch of cars and who needs the bus system? Or does it make more sense if you have to cut something to cut bus routes that nobody or almost nobody is riding? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And like I say, maybe I'm biased here because even though I don't take the bus anymore, there was a point in time in my life where I remember riding the freeway flyer, and I remember a bunch of people riding the freeway flyer. It was a service that people actually used, and my guess is it probably still is today. 414-799-1620, should we get rid of the freeway flyers because it serves, well, suburbanites who can afford their own car? 414-799-1620, we discuss in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Another one rides a bus. Another one rides a bus. And another comes on, and another comes on. Another one rides a bus. Well, I don't know. The county transit system is saying we're considering getting rid of all the freeway flyer buses, the ones that pick up people in the suburbs and take them downtown and then take them back because, well, you know, it's it's the suburbanites who can own cars. How can we how can we justify cutting these keeping these routes when I don't know we have other bus routes that provide transportation for arguably underserved communities, but nobody rides them, Jeff. Curious, will the park and ride options go away for Summerfest, State Fair, etc. if those freeway flyers are discontinued? The answer is is yes. Um, this is what the Journal Sentinel story says. Freeway flyers and special services to events like Summerfest, ethnic festivals, the Wisconsin State Fair, and Brewers Home Games are in limbo, according to the bus company. In other words, stuff that people might actually ride, pay for, and use we're, we're putting those on hold. 414-799-1620. Let's start with David in Mequon. David, good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. Uh, you know, it's it's ridiculous. I just think that if people really want to look at that and you look at how many people actually take the bus, especially during the festivals, they're always jam-packed. And to your point as well, you have other routes you know, within the city which you're lucky if you get two or three people on yep. during the evening hours. And, you know, I don't understand their line of thinking for the simple reason that, you know, that is, I know they charge extra to go to the fairs as well. So right. they're more than offsetting, uh, you know, as right. far as, you know. You, know, you make an outstanding point, else. David. My, my sense is 
that the, these freeway flyer routes, now maybe not all of them, but the vast majority of them, my guess is they are subsidizing a lot of the otherwise underperforming bus routes that, that are out there because, you know, people pay a premium for this. I mean, I, look, I, 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 if, if it's a business, you know, you, you don't, you don't get rid of, you know, your cash cow in order to try to keep, if you've got, you've got two gas stations, you've got one gas station that's making money and the other one that's losing money and subsidized, is being subsidized by the one that's making money, you don't close the one that's making money, do you? No, I mean, it, it's just crazy. And at the end of the day, the county should also look into, you know, when they purchase new buses, they have, you know, the full-size bus, but they do have another bus that's a lot smaller that they could maybe consider maybe for the routes that aren't as, you know, full of people. And, mm-hmm. you know, when they have to purchase a new bus, don't have a full-size bus. Do one of those uh, smaller buses. Yeah. No, different so. alternatives. No, thank, I mean, you know, you kind of think outside the box. Now, I don't want to bring the trolley into this. And I understand it's city versus county, but you know we we had all this mass transit money that that was sitting around and had to be divvied up. And you have to wonder if you look back. All right, are we better off spending tens of millions of dollars? Were we better off spending tens of millions of dollars on a a, a city of Milwaukee trolley that goes I don't know two point one miles and and really I mean you want to talk about the ultimate you know yuppie people mover? I mean that's that's what that trolley is. And, and it's interesting to say, okay, well, I don't know how we can subsidize freeway, freeway flyer routes that take, you know, people who have cars in the suburbs, you know, when we're going to have to cut bus lines. Well, if, if you if you think there's any validity to that, how in God's green earth can you justify tens of millions of dollars to build a 2.1 trolley line to move yuppies between one bar and another over a 2.1-mile radius? Now, I understand it's a city, but, you know, big picture, how, you know, Think back on those tens of millions of dollars. Would we have been better off building the trolley line, or would we have been better off spending that money to help, I don't know, subsidize bus service that really does get people who need transportation to where they have to go? 414-799-1620. Jeremy and Racine. Jeremy, you're on WTMJ. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Sure. The whole the whole point of this is, is also to alleviate the traffic volume on our, on our roadway, and it does just that. So why would you just continue a program that actually works? That, that people ride. Yeah, <laughs> right, that, that, that people ride. So you don't have the freeway congestion. You you don't have the, the cars, you know, with the carbon footprint and all that. And, and you've got something that people are, in fact, using. Yeah, I mean, we're always trying to find ways to reduce the traffic volume. So if anything, they need to expand the program. Well, I mean, th- or at least, I mean, thanks to God, at least imply, apply a legitimate cost benefit analysis to this. And I guess I think it very unfortunate that the guy that runs the, the bus company decides to play the, the race card here. Well, it's difficult to, you know, justify, you know, keeping routes that bring suburbanites who have cars into the city and out of the city. It's difficult to justify that when we have 400 years of institutional racism. Well, it's not like only 
black people, for example, ride the buses. My guess is there's white people that ride the buses as well. But don't you have to take a look at it from the perspective of, you know, what are the bus routes that people are really using? And I I understand you can't expect, nor should you expect, every bus route to be profitable. That's just not the way transit systems, you know, work. And you do have to say, okay, where where who is riding this how many people are riding this etc and how do you get to certain places and yes it might be that you have to discontinue a couple bus routes but shouldn't that be based on where the money is coming from and how many people are riding it as opposed to well we've got 400 years of institutional racism so that means we have to keep another two miles on some failing unridden bus line and take it away from i don't know people who are paying to go down and use it let's talk to Marlene in Oak Creek, you're on WTMJ. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. I live at a corner where the Route 80 makes a turn. Jeff, it is basically empty, and it is. I am going to uh, vouch for the gentleman before me who said make smaller buses. Mm-hmm. They are to continue this Route 80 out to Oak Creek. We don't need one of those long uh heavy passenger uh, buses, we need a smaller bus. Right, okay. So you, you say you, you see this bus go by all the time, and there's very few yeah. people on it. Yeah. And it can barely make it around the corner. It's, you know, the street isn't constructed for that wide of a bus. Right. And the freeway flyer, are they an excellent idea? Well, right. And, and again, I, I think, I mean, my recollection is lots of people use these things. And, and some people are saying, well, maybe they're losing money on them. No, I, I don't think that's the case. But but if there are money-losing routes, all right, just, just like if there's money-losing routes in the city, I think you have to look critically as to whether you're going to get rid of them or not. But my guess is the freeway flyers are a lot more successful than some of the other ones. Because when I see those freeway flyers go by, they're almost always at least half full. And I sure can't say that about a lot of buses that I see go no, by. that's true. And uh, it's very convenient for us out here in Oak Creek to go to College Avenue, Ryan right. Road, and hop on and go to the fair at West right. Dallas or to the um, German Fest, Irish Fest, whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. You're, they're, right. Thanks. It's something. It's something that ends up getting used. And so, again, wh- why they felt the need to play the race card is to me. I think first of all, that's disappointing. Secondly, I, I understand this is this is a threat here. You know, we're gonna. It's sort of like when when schools come out and say if if you don't pass the referendum, we're going to have to get rid of of the football team. They don't say that we're going to have to get rid of, I don't know, a bunch of mid-level administrators who nobody knows who are all making $130,000 a year. But we're going to have to get rid of the football team. I'm thinking that maybe this is that. You know, if, if we don't get more money from the county board, we're going to have to get rid of the freeway flyers and the buses to State Fair, the stuff that people actually use, instead of we're going to get rid of some of the routes that people don't ride on. This is Jeff Wagner. Stick around. Jeff Wagner is right around the corner. We're Luke and Eric of the... Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Pop Culture Corner coming up in about 30 minutes. Before that, though, I want to talk about the, the freeways. We've been talking a little bit about transportation in various forms. It, it's no secret 
that this construction project from Milwaukee County down to the, the state line has been a complete and total cluster fumble for, for a long time. You know, we've discussed this before. It seems like on a regular basis, we will have the show interrupted when Eric Bilstadt will come in here, and he's doing his job, saying, oh, we've got another problem, we've got a semi that's overturned, or we've got accidents, or, or whatever. And we have talked extensively about the, the problems in, in that area, to the extent that last weekend, for example, Racine County deputies ticketed more than 80 speeders in that I-94 construction zone, including a couple yo-yos going over 100 miles an hour. And and it, the point that I have made before is is it, it, the, the, the reasons you have all these collisions, it's a number of things. First of all, it's people driving too fast. Secondly, it's, in my opinion at least, a really, really bad configuration that has people winding into you know different lanes and the lanes are too narrow and people, again, are driving too fast. And the reason that you have some of these delays that are made worse is that there's no um, – there, there's no shoulder. There, there's no emergency area to pull over to. So the the problem that ends up happening is when there is a collision, it's essentially stopped, and, and emergency vehicles can't get there. So as a result of all the mess and all the attention and the publicity that this situation has gotten, you now have law enforcement being a little bit more aggressive. There's a huge story in the Madison Papers today about this, and it essentially draws the conclusion that for a variety of these a variety of these factors, it, it's just a mess to to be avoided. And candidly, with all due respect, I think this is largely due to an incredibly bad design from the Department of Transportation. And I understand they say, well, this meets our our safety guidelines. Well, my answer would be maybe your safety guidelines need to be rethought. But that's the, not the aspect of this that I I want to talk about. Um, in 2018, in this area. Racine County deputies made about 5,200 traffic stops. That's down about 50% from the number of traffic stops that they'd made in the last seven years on on average. And the the county sheriff, who's a really good guy, he says, look, here's one of the problems that's going on. The interstate system in Racine County is 12 miles southbound and 12 miles northbound. That's a total of 24 miles of interstate. It says our deputies currently only have about six-tenths of a mile to make a traffic stop safely. The rest of those areas are under construction, and it's unsafe to make a traffic stop in a construction zone. So he says, look, I... I know the citation numbers are way down, but I think we're doing a great job with what we have to work with. Now, let, let's stop and think about this for a second. And, and there, there's a lot of validity to this. You've got people driving like crazy people through these construction areas, but because of the way the Department of Transportation has designed this, you can't make a traffic stop there. I mean, it's just, it's not safe. There's no room for this. So it's pretty much, all right, you know, do what you want in this area. And, you know, we're just going to have to let you go. Well, here's, here's what I want to talk about. And it's something that we need to think about. All right. Currently, this is not legal in Wisconsin. But what would you think about installing cameras? at various intersections or or stretches of road along, for example, along this area of the freeway. If a camera 
catches or traffic violation, you get a ticket by the mail in the mail. Now, commonly we hear about this as, as like red light cameras, you know, and, and some states have them, some states don't. We've talked about that before. But, you know, right now, you know, you, you can't use these type of automated things in construction zones. So thanks to the DOT, we've got this deal where it's very, very difficult for the cops to make a stop over this, you know, this 12 miles northbound, 12 miles southbound area freeway. What about changing the law to allow for the technology? Put in the cameras, you know, put in the electronic stuff. And when you see the people that are speeding going 70 miles an hour in the 50 mile an hour zone or whatever, you just issue them a ticket. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is it time to let automation help out law enforcement, whether it's cops can't be at every bad intersection or for our particular conversation today, why not set up a bunch of electronic devices along stretches of road where the cops can't get to and let's start issuing citations for the people who are driving recklessly. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I vote yes. What do you think? We discuss. Back to take your calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. I think in retrospect, it was foolish and poor planning to create that that huge stretch of of highway road construction on the internet, on the internet, on the interstate, without allowing like an emergency lane or a shoulder. I, I firmly believe that that is contributing to a lot of the problems that we have. But that's the design that the DOT went with. All right, you have people driving like bats out of you-know-where through that area. The cops can't do enforcement because there's no shoulder. There's nowhere to pull people over. All right, what about automated traffic enforcement? Let's start with Dave in Waukesha. Hi, Dave. You're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. How are you doing? Good. What do you think? I think I absolutely agree. I mean, I, I think they should they should do it because that act, that whole stretch actually kind of scares the bejesus out of me, and I I wind up taking 45 down to 173 if I have to go to Chicago or whatever. But uh, um, I know in, like, Arizona, for instance, um, they have they have uh, uh, technology where they, you know, my buddy got up, you know, mailed a ticket. We were all going to the gate. We all go for spring training. Right. Got mailed a ticket. And because they caught him speeding. Right. And, you know, they get the plates and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's absolutely nuts. And why... They designed it like that is <laughs> yeah. beyond exactly. I mean, it, it, it is common sense. Common sense kind of flew out the window, went through the looking glass, whatever kind of you know. Right, whatever analogy. No, I, I'm I'm with you on that, Dave. Whatever analogy that you want to use. I mean, and hopefully, when they're designing projects in the future, somebody will recognize we we can't have mile after mile after mile of road construction with no shoulders around because, again, we're going to have this mess. But it, it's the way they designed it. It's poorly designed. It's not well thought of. But we're, we're stuck with it now. But I guess my question would be, you know, what what can we do to minimize this? And I guess when I – if you don't think it's a problem, just, just look. They pulled over more than 80 speeders just over the weekend in, in that construction zone. Well, that, that's just because of that police presence. Imagine the, the actual number that are going 
going on. And look, I, I think you have to be reasonable about this. I'm not arguing that you set up the cameras and if the speed limit is 55 or 50 or whatever it is, that you pull people over for going 52. But the folks that are going 70 in the 50 mile an hour zone or, or 80 in the 60, they're a menace. They are creating problems. You would pull them over under normal circumstances for speeding in a construction zone, but the problem that the, the sheriff's deputies have is because of the way this has been designed, there's no way to get to them to pull them over. So, all right, the choice is either let them get away or, you know, go to something like this. Now, if you don't want to extend it to go as far as to say, okay, I want this up on every intersection in the city of Milwaukee for the red light cameras, well, okay, we can talk about that. But at the very least, wouldn't something like this, electronic law enforcement, make it a little bit safer, maybe even a lot more safe in that area? 414-799-1620. Let's uh, talk to Bob in Waukesha. Hi, Bob. You're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. How are you? I'm good. What do you think about all this? Well, I'm retired law enforcement. I, I have to tell you, I think there's an upside and a downside to this. And if you've ever driven through Chicago on I-94... There is no place to affect a, a, a safe traffic stop, mm-hmm. uh, and, 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 and thus you don't see any traffic stops, and you see people driving 100 miles an hour. Uh, but mm-hmm. uh, I, if you implemented some type of tolerance, uh, I don't know what that would be, sure. 15, 16 miles an hour. Sure. Uh, I, think, I think that would be acceptable. The downside is, that you're going to have naysayers that are saying, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, this is just a money generator. Yeah. Here we go again. Yeah, and, and, and to which I would say, God bless them, but, you know, if you're driving... If you're driving 75 through a construction zone where the speed limit is 50, for the sake of argument, you, you can complain that it's a money generator, but I'm not going to be too yeah, – your complaint is falling on deaf ears with me. You know, I, No, I agree. If you set it at, if you set it at 53 in a 50-mile-an-hour zone, it's a different dynamic. I guess I would envision this let, – let's go after the people who are really driving at reckless speeds through these construction zones. I, I- – I have to tell you, I went down to Alsip twice yesterday, Illinois. Mm-hmm. It's on the south side of Chicago. And on two or three different occasions, I had individuals pass me. I know they were doing 100 miles an hour. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, it's, I mean, th- thanks for, I mean, this is, I mean, just, what was the story? Where's it? I want to get it for numbers here. I mean, just over the weekend... Okay, they all right, here's the from Friday through Sunday. Now think of that area. Now I mean so you've got the lanes that narrow, there's no shoulder, there's no emergency things, and the lanes not only narrow, but they they, they weave in and out. And okay, Racine County, they ticketed more than eighty people for driving faster than eighty miles an hour. Eighty people driving faster than eighty miles an hour during through that, that narrow work area where the speed limit is 60. They also, um, let's see, they caught two driving 95 to 99 and two driving more than 100 miles an hour.
Okay, and, and that's just this, this targeted enforcement thing. Okay, uh, imagine what goes on on a daily basis. Well, and, and I think you're exactly right, Bob. You go to this electronic thing, and some people are going to complain about it. it's a money-grabbing thing. I, I don't know about you, though. As far as I'm concerned, you know, if I see somebody, if, when, when I read somebody's doing 89 miles an hour or 95 or 100 in that area, I want them off the street, and it, quite quite candidly, I, I, I don't want them just getting a ticket. I want their license pulled at, you know, and their car taken away for reckless driving because they are endangering everybody. But the truth is that the police can't get to them because of the way this has been designed. So, all right, let, let's use the electronic cameras. Let's use our technology to try to do what we can do. Katie in Burlington. Katie, you're on WTMJ. Hi there. I've been driving this average of two days a week in the evenings. Um, driven it my whole, you know, for a very long time because I live in Racine County. Mm-hmm. This adds an extra layer of security, which is great and well and good, but it's a extremely fragile foundation. And I think we're beyond the point of looking at trying to penalize these people without that direct threat of, you know, so they get a citation in the mail. They're still riding, driving through there and driving extremely erratically. I saw just yesterday I was on it. I saw the trooper sitting off on the, the frontage roads. And I'm thinking, well, up ahead, am I going to see someone? Are they clocking someone? I didn't see that, so I don't know if it was just a visual to try to get people to slow down. But I think we're at the point where we need to do something drastic, design or no design. We have people dying. Yeah. And I won't. I got caught. Someone car broke down. You know, they're in the middle of the lane. That was at like we were in stuck there for a extremely long time. Almost ran out of gas. (laughs) Extremely anxiety ridden. Um, and I just, I won't anymore. I'll, I'll cut over and try yeah. to just take, you know, weave my way from Kenosha to Burlington because I just, great and well and good, but it doesn't change the fundamental issue we have. We've got to get these people off the road immediately if they're driving that erratically, and we have to do something about the design. We simply have to. It's it's so dangerous. It, it is, it, and it's it's poorly conceived. Now, a number of people are texting, making the point that, well, you know, what we should what we should do is you, you need a larger police presence. If you would have a, a number of deputies from different law enforcement agencies in, in marked cars or maybe the state patrol, you know, driving just on, in, a, in a loop back and forth along that 12-mile thing, you would have the effect of, of slowing down traffic. And, and I... I get it. I'm not necessarily saying that you don't do that. I mean, and if you've got some availability for more police presence, that that's fine. I, I, I would that maybe slow down people. Maybe if you know that there's a squad car up ahead, you know, would you, you perhaps not drive 100 miles an hour? Maybe I, that that's all fine. I'm not arguing that that's a bad idea necessarily. But all right, I don't think that's enough. I think you use that in conjunction with other things. I think, you know, if you've got, you know, if, if you've got all sorts of bullets in that gun, you know, why not, why not use a bunch of those, those bullets? And, you know, one is maybe the increased police presence. And I, I would say if technology allows you to do it, do that as well. Do everything you have in order to, you've got that giant bear that's charging you and is mean. Well, you know, you can try to reason with the bear, but, you know, you, you want to do everything you can to stop that bear from getting to you and eating you. Well, maybe it's the same thing. We want to use all the different things that might be available to us to make that area safer. It's time now for Jeff Wagner's Pop Culture Corner, sponsored by New Femme Rejuvenation Clinic. Put aside the heavy lifting and call the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line at 414-799-1620 to get on the show. And now, here is Jeff Wagner. 
during there was a time I'm feeling old, Rue, who's producing the show today and always because dur- during that that la- I was listening to a couple of the commercials that we were running, and there was a time where there were certain words that e- even if they wouldn't get you in trouble with the FCC, I wouldn't. I wouldn't use them on the radio because I just kind of be uncomfortable with them, and I think I'd get, I, I you know, I, I've always said my, I, I want to, my goal is to avoid meetings, you know, and I, I don't want to be sitting in the program director or the general manager's office explaining, you know, why, why did you think that you were going to use that word? Because even if it's, even if some of these things, even if it's not something that's going to get us in trouble with the FCC, you know, it, it just is, is it really you? And now I hear some of those words on the commercials. It just, it's, it's how. Just things have, have changed, you know, and I'm still not comfortable saying some of that stuff. All right. Uh, this is the point of the week where we, like the man says, we put away the heavy lifting. We do Pop Culture Corner. It's always one of the fun segments. I enjoy it a lot. My advice is once we launch into the topic, call quickly. Our phone lines tend to jam up. Go with your first instinct. Here's the deal. Um, late last week, maybe it was last Friday or last Saturday, uh, the news came out that Peter Fonda, brother of Jane Fonda, son of Henry Fonda, had passed away at the age of 79. Peter Fonda, um, kind of a sort of an undistinguished movie career, but he had a movie career. Most people don't, you know, don't have movie careers, made a lot of movies, which are by and large um, kind of forgettable. Uh, most recently, he did this movie called Yuli's Gold, where he played a uh, beekeeper. And, you know, that was, um, you know, he got a. He was nominated for an Oscar for that. Um, but but the, the seminal role of Peter Fonda's life and what essentially defined his entire career was the movie Easy Rider back in 1969. And this was at the height of the counterculture. And Peter Fonda was Captain America. And Dennis Hopper was his you know sidekick. And the movie Easy Rider was kind of a travelogue. They, they score, uh, they do a cocaine deal in Los Angeles, and then they're working their way back east, and they're on the fancy choppers and things like that. And, and Easy Rider was, I, I think, if there was a movie that encapsulated the 60s, and, and you were saying to me, okay, Jeff, I, I didn't live in the 60s, and I, I don't remember, what, what movie should I watch? Watch Easy Rider. That, that was it. And it's, it spoke to a generation. It was incredibly successful. And it, it was one of these movies that helped kind of um, really kind of kill the studio system because they made it outside of the studio system, and they showed that you can make a bunch of money. So Peter Fonda, I mean, Easy Rider kind of defined him. There was something else about Easy Rider that, that I think really caught people's attention, and that is the soundtrack to the movie. If you want to, and, and again, just like I think the movie, you know, captures the 60s. If you wanted to say, all right, explain to somebody the 60s, you, you say, go see Easy Rider. I think also the soundtrack, and as a matter of fact, after uh, Peter Fonda passed away earlier this week, I... I, I went and I listened to the soundtrack from, from Easy Rider, and it was just, it, it was amazing. It was one song after another. You had, you know, Steppenwolf and all these things, but it was, it, it was a movie, the band, you know, there's a couple of their songs. It, it was amazing, and it, it took you back to that time, and it was kind of like the perfect soundtrack for that movie. Our number is 414-799-1620. Now, again, this is a little bit more complicated. Maybe it's going to require a little bit more thought. But I, I thought, given the passing of Peter Fonda um, I and, and the movie Easy Rider, I, I want to talk about movie soundtracks 
Now, you get all sorts of different soundtracks. Sometimes, you know, the movie is, is a Broadway musical. It, it's, it's cabaret or it's Chicago, you know, those things. I mean, the cabaret soundtrack, absolutely phenomenal. I mean, just, just incredible. But here's my question. What's the best soundtrack ever? What's the best soundtrack to a movie? Think about some movies and then think, God, the music that goes with it. What's, what's the perfect soundtrack? And you can define perfect. You can define best however you, you, you want. Maybe it's something, maybe it is a Broadway musical that they put on, um, that they put on. Maybe it's a musical in general. Maybe it's a movie like Easy Rider where every song on there is, is a hit. 414-799-1620. That's the Accunate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And just to kind of prime the pump, I'll give you two um, from from two different times. Easy Rider and The Big Chill. I mean, think about that movie, The Big Chill, and think about that soundtrack that goes with it. I think both of those are just absolutely outstanding. 414-799-1620. Gru is lining up the calls. We are back to discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, hold on. We're going to get to as many calls as we possibly can. This is Pop Culture Corner, and this is Jeff Wagner. This is Jeff Wagner's Pop Culture Corner, sponsored by New Femme Rejuvenation Clinic. Now back to Take Your Calls. Here's Jeff Wagner. Producer Gru. McCure's out at Miller Park. Tell him I want an extra 30 minutes. I, I love these responses. Th- this is this is great. 414-799-1620. Let's start with Lori in Milwaukee. Lori, the best soundtrack ever. Hey, love your show. You. I want to tell you and agree. Totally easy rider. I was 10 years old when I first saw it. Love motorcycles because of it. But a more current soundtrack, Gardens of Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes, yes, Love yes, yes. That All the movies of Guardians of the Galaxy. Right. Great soundtrack. Right, because you've got the um, th- thanks to go. You, you've got the Chris Pratt character who, who's got the uh, he's got the tape recorder, and it's all the tunes from the seventies. Works for me. Tanya in Whitefish Bay. Tanya, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Tanya. My favorite is the soundtrack from Almost Famous. Oh, I love, um, I think that's, you know, that and Casablanca and The Godfather are my three favorite movies of all time. And I, I could, I, I love Almost Famous. I love the story. And I love all the music. I mean, it's the soundtrack of the 70s. It is. It is. It's a, all the songs that I grew up with. I love Led Zeppelin and Elton John. And it's right. just. It, it it was so perfect for the storyline. You know that, um, I that, love that movie. The, the scene on the bus where they're all upset with each other, and all of a sudden they start Elton John's "Tiny Dancer." They start singing Tiny around. Dancer, Isn't yeah. that something? Um, it, it was wonderful. I, I loved it. I, th- thanks for calling. Great soundtrack as well. Let's talk to Wendy and Franklin. Wendy, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Wendy. You're going to think this is kind of funny, but I never saw this movie, but I am a child of the 70s, and I grew up with the soundtrack FM Yeah. because, because of older brothers and sisters. <laughs> okay, so you've never seen the movie FM? No. Okay, you got to do your you you got to you got to find it. Um right. Martin Mull and oh I'm trying to picture the the name of the the female DJ. It's not the greatest movie. Okay, so I mean it, it's not the greatest movie. It's about a bunch of these DJs at this FM radio station in LA, but it it is it's classic 70s and you're right. It's the soundtrack that makes it work. No question yeah, about yep. it. <laughs> and anything with Steely Dan you can't go. But Wendy, thanks for do do me a favor. You got to find the movie. 
you just you got to find it. And like I say, it's it's kind of a silly movie. Jimmy Buffett is in it. Linda, Ro- a young Linda Ronstadt is in it. The movie FM, absolutely. Yep, uh, Jimmy Buffett's playing uh, the song Livingston Saturday Night. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. I would have been such a better lawyer if I if I had the recall of that. I, you know, she says FM. I remember the scenes from that movie. Let's talk to Chuck and walk Chuck. You're on WTMJ. Yeah, um, I was going to say Forrest Gump. Yep. I mean, you've got everything from uh, Elvis Presley. Oh, we... You've got uh, the Four Tops, Aretha Franklin, Beach Boys, everything. Yes, yeah, I mean, For- Forrest Gump, right. Thanks for calling. For- Forrest Gump, where's the ones, a number of the ones we've been talking about, you know, earlier, whether it's Almost Famous or, or FM, um, or, 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 or like the soundtrack is focused on. A, a particular generation set of time. Forrest Gump, you know, you, you cover the whole spectrum, and Forrest Gump is a great one as well. Oh, boy, people have good ones this week. Bill in Fond du Lac. Bill, you're on WTMJ. Absolutely love the soundtrack from The Graduate. Yeah, so, starting with, uh, you know, Simon Garfunkel wrote the Mrs. Robinson tune for The Graduate. Um, and, and again, it's, you're right, that's a, that is a movie where the soundtrack to me goes perfectly, just perfectly with everything that's going on in the movie. And the, and the time period. The oh, era. oh yeah. No, thank, thanks for going. Here, here's my interesting piece of trivia from the movie The Graduate. You know, um, Anne Bancroft, who was married to Mel Brooks, she played Mrs. Robinson. Dustin Hoffman played the college graduate, the, the recent college graduate she had the affair with. As a t- Dustin Hoffman and Anne Bancroft were only a couple years apart. You know, she's playing this middle-aged seductress. He's playing the kid just out of college. They were actually only like, they were within two or three years of each other, which Anne Bancroft, who passed away a few years ago, always uh, always commented on that. Jason in Sheboygan. Jason, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Good afternoon, Jeff. Um, I'm 47, but um, I grew up on this music from my parents. American Graffiti, that, that's my favorite. <laughs> the, the, well, another, see, that's a, another great choice, Jason, because, I mean, that's, I mean, that's, that's the 50s music, you know, and yep. that's, that's that, that whole generation that, that's out there. And again, it's another one of these movies where the, the music just perfectly matches what's going on in that film. But it's my favorite. It makes me feel good. It fires me up. I get adrenaline going and, I just love that kind of music. It, it is. No, th- thanks for calling. I mean, that was uh, what uh, John Lucas's, you know, first first movie. Just um, wow, just a- absolutely great. And that boy, what another thing? I, I hadn't even thought of some of these when I was thinking about soundtracks. Russell in Brookfield. Russell, you're on WTMJ. Hi, uh, great show. Thank you, sir. Uh, my my favorite, one of my favorites, is Lawrence of Arabia. The music for that is just so sweeping. That desert yep. scene and uh, and it, it just the music matches the scenery so fantastic. Yep, yep. And um, and then of course that that's another one. I I you know I I discovered Lawrence of Arabia a number of years ago, and it's it's just it's a beautifully made movie. And, and you're right, it's it's I mean it's orchestral, you know. So you've got that that classical sort of stuff. No, thanks for calling. And I. I mean, the original Lawrence of Arabia has this intermission where if you if you have it on DVD or whatever, they, they play the music during the intermission. Yeah, outstanding. Let's talk to TJ in Brookfield. TJ, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. Um, can you listen to the outro of Layla and not think about Goodfellas? <laughs> yes, exactly. It, it, exactly. You know, boy, that's a good one, too. Um, you know, again, movies, m- you know, music from the time. No question about it. 
Yeah, no, it works You're for me. Right. No, it works, works for me. Thanks for calling. And, and thanks. And as long as we're talking about Goodfellas, you know, another. This is not one of my favorite Scorsese movies, um, Casino. But you know, I, I think Casino. I actually think the soundtrack is better than than the um, the movie itself. But you know, I, I, I Goodfellas has a better soundtrack. I, I agree with that. But Casino is another one. Let's see. We have a number of. Um, Text here, American boy. This is going back. American Hot Wax, which is um, yeah, that's rock and roll. That's the that's the story of Alan Freed, the di- Cleveland disc jockey who first um, came up with the term rock and roll. Um, that's got a yeah. That's that's got the great fifty soundtrack. Pulp Fiction, yeah, Pulp Fiction would be another one with outstanding soundtrack. Um, Reservoir Dogs, the original Quentin Tarantino movie, that would be one. Glad somebody said this one, Grease. Um, you know, Olivia Newton-John, uh, John Travolta, I was listening as I was driving yesterday or two days ago, and I was listening to Satellite Radio, yeah, and I, I came across, they were, they were playing You're the One That I Want from Grease. Um, another really good one. Um, good Morning Vietnam, that's one. Okay, Gru, do you want to tell me which one yours was? You were all right. You're talking to somebody on the phone. I get it. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Let's talk to. Uh, let's see, Jimmy in New Berlin. You're on WTMJ. Hey, uh, what about Eddie and the Cruisers? Oh yeah, the original one. The the the, the yeah. second the sequel was awful. But yeah, Eddie and the Cruisers. Um, Sawyer Brown. I think that was the. I think that was who you know who did the music. But yeah, that was that's another one. And, and those were all original tunes. Sounded a lot like Springsteen, but they were all original tunes. John Cassidy and the Beagle Brown Band. Um, yes, yes, absolutely. That's another one. Eddie and the Cruisers. Haven't thought about that one for a while. Okay, now the introduction to this grew is when you were answering, our phone lines jammed up right away, and you said all good ones, but not the ones that you were, that you were thinking of. Okay, so what's yours? A lot of soundtracks, but not a lot of scores. I watched a movie yesterday, and the, the soundtrack came from John Williams. Yeah, okay, Star, Star Wars. Star, and all Star Wars. That. I watched well, Indiana Jones. Oh, yeah. Oh, Indiana Jones. Yeah, I watched Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark. That is yeah. a terrific soundtrack. Yes. That, that's, you know, see, I, and that, see, that's why you're a deeper thinker than me. I was thinking about, like, in the Easy Rider with the, the, the popular songs meshed with that. But, yeah, I mean, well, Star Wars is another one where oh, you yeah. have that, that score. You just hear Iconic. that Star Wars tune to, and you do that. All right. Well, see, that, 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 that's good. I won't mock that one at all. Um but I, I kind of like some of the. I, I'm going back with the Easy Rider and the Almost Famous and the Goodfellas, and that's it. I'm sorry, we have jam phone lines and just uh, oh, the Blues Brothers, the Blues Brothers, of course, Bohemian Rhapsody, the soundtrack to that. Yes, Boogie Nights. Why we're going to revisit this one sooner rather than later because there's so many good ones and it's bringing back so many memories. All right, but I got to move on right now. John McCure and Melissa Barkley are out at Miller Park. We're going to check in with them in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Please stick around.